Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes. 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you. I'd like to speak to you this morning about overcoming the hindrances, overcoming the the roadblocks and the things that keep you from receiving from God or try to stop you uh, from from receiving that miracle you're believing God for or, or receiving that word that you're believing God for, that direction. Sometimes you just need a word of direction. Anyone ever need a word of direction? Glory to God. And there are ways in the scripture uh, we can see how to be more effective and position ourselves to hear from God. It's not just it's not just a religious experience to come to church and and then to walk out and not be changed a little bit more into the plan of God for our lives. It's very important to be led by the Spirit of God, learn to hear the voice of God. That's why I think we ought to come to places like Abundant Life Christian Center, because we believe God, not just to learn about the historic part of the Bible, but the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. We want Him in our lives today. Praise the Lord. Somebody give me two big amens right there. So in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, did I say chapter 5 a minute ago? Yep. 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to read uh, maybe the first three verses, and then I'll pull down just for a second. It's the story of Naaman, who was a leper. Uh, now Naaman, he was a captain of the host of the king of Syria, and he was a great man with his master. He was honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, a servant lady. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that's in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told him, saying, Thus and thus, that the maid that is of the uh, land of Israel had said. So the king of Syria, who really liked Naaman, his captain, the king of Syria said, Go, go to go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. Now, jump down to verse... Nine, if you would, please. So Naaman came to Elisha's house with his horses and with his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha, now watch this, sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall come again to thee, and it shall be clean. And Naaman was wroth. He was angry. And he went away and he said, Behold, I thought. Someone say, I thought. thought. Behold, I thought the prophet, he will surely come out to me and stand here and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over this leprosy and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus 
Aren't they cleaner? Aren't they better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants, thank God for the servants of the Lord. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid you do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he says to you, just wash and be clean. So he went down and he dipped seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Somebody shout hallelujah. Listen, so many times God can speak to us to do something and we have to be careful if it's not something we necessarily wanted to do, we've got to be willing to humble ourselves. Don't let pride get in the way because the Bible says pride comes before a fall. And a haughty spirit, uh, that kind of a spirit that no one can ever tell you anything, a haughty spirit before destruction. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. It's very necessary because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The scripture says that rebellion against the things of God is uh, it's what Samuel said to Saul, uh, King Saul, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. But to hearken to God is like the choice sacrifice, the fat of the rams, the Bible says. When you and I obey God and we listen, we humble ourselves. Sometimes the Lord may be telling you, look, I want you to pray an hour a day. I want you to pray an hour a day. You may not know why, but just obeying the Lord may be the thing that removes the roadblock. Amen. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, about verse 17 or so, uh, the apostle Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, he said, once and again, I wanted to come to you. He said, I'd, I'd get started to come your way, but Satan hindered me. But he would say, just stay there with it because I'm going to break through before it's over. That word hindered in the Greek is the word egkopto. And the word egkopto uh, literally means to create a roadblock, to create a diversion. Well, there are a lot of roadblocks in life. There are a lot of diversions in life. When, when we feel like the Lord is leading us a certain way, or when we feel like uh, God would have us do something, many times there are areas in our own life that can become a roadblock or a hindrance. Here, by the mercy of God, I thank God for this little uh, servant lady uh, who rose up in captivity and was still witnessing about the healing power of Jehovah God. How many of you are glad regardless of where you are, what time it is or what your circumstance is, you never have to deny God. Amen. You can use your witness at all times. So I want to talk to you this morning about how to get rid of those hindrances. Because if Naaman had not gotten rid of that hindrance of pride and, and done something that wasn't a great big deed and uh, that, that one servant said, oh, if he'd have told you to go do something great, you know, Go, go kill a bunch of people or, or go bring a bunch of money or do something great. Why, well, you'd have done it in a heartbeat, uh, uh, Naaman. But here he tells you to go humble yourself and just go and, and dip in the water. And, 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 the, and, and Naaman said, but the water over in Damascus is so much cleaner. Well, it wouldn't make any difference if it's clean or dirty. If God tells you to do it, you ought to do it. Yes. 
Hallelujah. Amen. So he hearkened and he went and did that. And of course, the story is very powerful how God healed him and his skin was as clean and as uh, fresh and whole as a baby skin. I think that ought to, I think we ought to just clap our hands to the Lord right there just for a second. Let that sink in. <laughs> that obeying God, casting down all forms of pride, humble yourself. Uh, in First Peter, Second Peter, the Bible says that the elders of the church, uh, the Greek word's the word presbytery, which would be the, the fivefold ministry, the leaders that are in the house. The scripture says, let them take the oversight. That's an interesting word because it's a word in the Greek that means male and female both. I think that's very fascinating. Uh, that it says they should take the oversight, not for filthy lucre, but they should do that out of love and they should humble themselves to one another. And then the scripture says that those that are younger should humble themselves unto their elders. Humble themselves, three things it says, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and humble ourselves unto one another. That's in the Bible. Amen. Give me two amens. Amen. It's very necessary. Church is not just something that we do because we're Americans and at the 10 o'clock hour uh, across the nation, traditionally, we go to church for a little while. No, there are, there's a huge realm called the kingdom of God that you and I are a part of that's as real as the kingdom of this world. And when we are saved and His Spirit lives in us, we are to learn how to live as citizens of the household of faith, the kingdom of God. Uh, so we're told to humble ourselves to one another, humble ourselves to our elders, uh, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then he says, and God will elevate you over your enemy. Oh, I get pretty excited thinking about it. So we got to get rid of some of these roadblocks or some people are, I'm not talking about you today, of course, but there's some people who would never humble themselves uh, in their personality, in their actions, in any way. They just resist it. The, the very thought of that, they think to humble themselves weakens them some way. But when you and I humble ourselves as unto the Lord, Amen. you actually empower yourself. Amen. God gives grace to the humble, the Bible says, but he resists the proud. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an enemy of God. I said, I don't want to be an enemy of God. Uh, we have to be willing to minister and to help every person. It doesn't make any difference who that person is. Whether you think they are socially and everything over you or on par with you, or maybe in, in, they haven't gotten where you're at in life yet. You've got to uh, be willing to minister with the same love and the same zeal to every person you meet. I tell you, God will use some of the most unique circumstances to be the catalyst to bless your life. Uh, in the scripture, he says, if you just give a, a cup of water uh, in, in, a, in a prophet's name, the Bible says, or as unto a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, that's why when we come to church, uh, uh, sometimes I may call for an hour of prayer for seven days. Uh, pray for at least one hour a day for seven days. Don't ever rise up in your own self and say, not me, I don't have time to do that. No, no, no. It's time to make time when that happens. Uh, to humble yourself unto the Lord. Pray uh, for one another. 
Uh, pray for the leadership. Pray over your family. The most important thing is to have a willing and an obedient heart. All right, write these things down. Here they come real quickly. Things that can hinder, they can become roadblocks in our life, but we, we'll just get them out in Jesus' name because if we know about them, we can get rid of them. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Here's the first thing. I call it unfulfilled dreams and prayers that haven't been answered yet. Some people get a real attitude because their prayer hasn't been answered yet. Well, you know, our father, he owns time. And I know some things happen instantly. It seems like you pray and before you finish praying, the answer is already there. Uh, but sometimes those expectations uh, don't happen the way we want them to. And I don't fully understand all of that, nor do I know anybody that would because God is the author of the answer. But I know this, he requires that you and I pray. Amen. And when we pray, God answers prayer. Amen. And we have to, uh, uh, Luke 17, 1, 2, and 3 right there, Jesus was teaching. He said, you make sure that you do not allow offense to rise up at you because maybe you haven't had the answer to the prayer yet that you wanted. You say, well, I've been praying over this for, for 10 years and stuff. Well, just keep praying in faith. Uh, thanking God that he's heard you the first time you prayed and you're not about to get off of it until you get your answer. You need to get rid of any kind of roadblock. Amen. Don't let Satan uh, sow a seed of doubt, uh, hate, unbelief, uh, or offense in you. Uh, over and over in the scriptures when God talks about prayer, over and over, he talks about guarding your mind. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. Unto him be glory. Listen, the Bible says, uh, whatever you ask or think. Listen, you can ask God, but not believe that he's going to answer your prayer because of whatever the issue is there. Or because maybe you prayed before and you haven't seen the answer yet. You have to make a decision that regardless of whether you've seen it or not, uh, if the prayer you prayed yesterday hadn't been answered, that is no reason to not pray today. Amen. To continue to believe. Come on, look at somebody and say, refuse to doubt. Come on, tell them that. <laughs> believe in your heart. Doubt not, the Bible says. Speak to that mountain and tell it to be removed. How many of you can say you've prayed and God has answered your prayer before? Come on, wave your hand just like this. How many of you believe he's still in the, in the prayer answering business? Now, how many of you have ever prayed and you haven't seen the answer yet? How many of you make a decision you're going to keep thanking God that he hears your prayer and you have what you say? Hallelujah. Don't get off of your faith. Don't allow a pride, anger, a disappointment because of unfulfilled things or your expectation hadn't been met yet. You just keep trusting God and keep walking that life of faith. Here's the second thing. I call it iniquities. Iniquities need to be removed out of your life. Iniquity, sin, open sin. If you think that sin will not become a roadblock to answered prayer, then you, my friend, have been deceived. We thank God that the grace of God is sufficient for salvation, but Titus says that grace teaches us to abstain from some things. 
Those were not called 10 suggestions. They're called 10 commandments. Give me two big amens right there. Uh, Grace does not give you a license to sin. It might keep you alive, but if you ever sin, but grace is an empowerment of God with that new nature that's on the inside of you to not want to sin. And as you rise up and follow that new life, you'll see those other things begin to drop off of you and just drop off and drop off and drop off. Uh, James 1.8 says to not be double-minded. Uh, double-minded means, well, I want to sin or I don't want to sin. I want to sin or I don't want to sin. I believe I don't believe. Uh, I want to be a Christian. I'm not sure I want to be a Christian. No, no, no. Don't be double-minded. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for His blood. Thank God for His grace. And thank God for His delivering power that will break those iniquities out of your life so you are not practicing living for the devil, but you practice living for God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right there, church. Here's the third thing. I've got to go quickly with this. I call this negative Christianity. Now, you need to be careful. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 1 that you don't create these roadblocks in your own life. Uh, uh, David starts out Psalms like this. Blessed is the man. Somebody say blessed. That walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's a really important thing. That stands not in the way of sinners. And he doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, look, that's in the Bible. It's important to understand that. But his delight is in the word of God called the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates both day. He thinks about it. He thinks about it day and night. He shall be like a tree. How many of you are glad we're not going to be like a weed? No, we're going to be like a tree. You'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. Your fruit will come forth in its season. And whatever you do will prosper. It's very important uh, to not let negative Christianity get a hold of you with bad counsel, bad lifestyle, always running down the kingdom of God and the people of God and the ways of... Listen, can I just remind you? That there are people that do not understand that the body of Christ is different from the body of this world. We are in the world. We're not of the world. We're not trying to be like the world to win the world. The problem is the world is changing too much of the church to be like them. But my experience is when I said yes to Jesus and it got real in my heart about 22 years old, it changed my want to's. Everything about me began to shift and go another way. It's important to follow the Lord, but do not surround yourself with negative Christianity. Now, look, we can expect that out of the world, out of people who don't know. But if Christians are always putting down, they're putting down the music. They're putting down the preaching. They put down tithe and offering. They put down all of that prayer stuff. They put down all of the kind of preaching that says don't sin. They put down this. They put down that. How about being built up on your most holy faith? How about praying in the Holy Ghost for a little while? How about telling the testimonies about what God is doing in you and what he has done and what you're believing God he's going to do? How about just standing on the word of God? Don't create roadblocks 
that create doubt, confusion, and unbelief in your own mind. Don't be double-minded. Don't be double-minded. How many of you are Christians first? How many of you are Christians second? There you go. You're not double-minded. Christian first, Christian second. That's it. You say, well, uh, but we live in this world. Well, sure you live in this world. But thank God the kingdom of God will empower you, the word and the spirit of God will empower you to live above what the Bible calls the beggarly elements of the world. There was a day we were caught up in those things and we were wrong. But now we're living for Jesus and we're not perfect, but we are right. We're pressing all the way toward the Lord and we're getting a little better every day. Come on, touch somebody around you and say, I think you look better already. Come on, just tell them that. You're just getting a little better every day. Sure. Look at that person next to you and say, is that your real hair? Come on, just ask them. They won't even believe it. Here's number four. Here's number four. I have to go quick. Number four. Some of the roadblocks that happen in life. It's not having a vision for your life. Look, you don't have to have this big cataclysmic experience where God tells you how you're going to save the world and you're going to do all of those things. Look, uh, don't be pressing to have a, some kind of big experience that isn't going to happen. Instead, why don't you ask God for a vision for your life, the ministry for your life, uh, that vision for your family, your home being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, for that joy that's unexplainable, but it's full of God's glory. That type of a vision. That vision to succeed at what you put your hand to. That vision for your sons and daughters to prophesy one day. That vision uh, to uh, witness every opportunity you get. To just be the person that God created you to be. And to succeed at serving the Lord. Amen. Habakkuk 1 says that vision takes time. It does take time. Proverbs says that without vision, uh, people perish. The word perish is an interesting word in the Hebrew there. It just literally means to break rank. It means to break rank, run amok. It just says that, that they uh, just literally, their life becomes helter-skelter. If they don't have a focus, if they don't have a vision that God begins to give you for your life. God gives a vision for the church. I believe a New Testament church is supposed to be started in a vision and a word from God. Abundant life was, and so are many other churches, are begun that way. Uh, not all churches are that way. Some get uh, begun out of an attitude. Somebody gets mad, or they have some kind of an issue over some little doctrinal fringe element. And they use that as the pry bar to pry themselves out of where God actually called them and to do their little old thing. Don't get caught up in that stuff. I said, don't get caught up in that stuff. Uh, it's amazing how much you're going to evolve. You're going to change a little bit uh, a year from now, five years from now, because you're going to learn more. And the more you learn, the more the whole picture begins to uh, open up. How many of you remember years ago, how many of you grew up in the Baptist and Methodist church or something like that? Wave your hand. You're Baptist and Methodist. God bless the Baptist. Hallelujah. How many of you were Catholic? Raise your hand. How many of you were nothing? <laughs> Listen to me. 
You remember back in those days, you just knew everything that was right. You just knew you were. And you knew that you were never going to speak with other tongues. You were just sure. You might have even been born again. You might have been a Christian in those days, but you weren't about to speak with other tongues. And then you ran into some Holy Ghost person. And won't that mess you up for being a normal Christian, huh? Come on. I'm telling you, the next thing you know, uh, now you are one. Here you are speaking in other tongues, praying, laying hands on the sick. God's getting the glory. You're serving the Lord. Revelation knowledge is coming to you. Totally different from ever before in your life. Sure. You change a little bit. We are changed into his image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Allow yourself to learn and stretch and grow. Uh, uh, don't allow the roadblocks. Don't get so stubborn and so stuck in your own mind. Because I promise you, you're going to learn a little bit more the longer you're in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. How many of you think that's for the people on the road behind you? Here's number five. Roadblocks. Excuses. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, look, I want you to go and bring people to this great banquet uh, that I have spread. There's healing on the table. There's prosperity on that table. There's revelation, knowledge, and awareness of all the things of the kingdom of God. There's joy on that table. He said, I've spread a great feast. Uh, Go get someone to come. And the Bible says they started making excuses. Why is it that any excuse is a good excuse if it's your excuse. No, no, no. Jesus was angry at excuses for people who were not serving the Lord. It becomes a roadblock. It's a hindrance to them receiving what God has for their life. No, uh, we are people that we make a decision. When it's time to pray, we pray. We read the Bible. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. We believe God that we receive. We don't make excuses. You can be at work and the Holy Spirit could talk to you and say, uh, today when you go on your lunch break, I want you to talk to that person just a moment and ask them if you can help them a little. Uh, can you just pray with them? Is there something uh, that, that's on your heart? Well, don't make a bunch of excuses. Just say, okay, I'll try. That's what the Lord said to do. I'm going to do it. And, and it's amazing how the door will open up. It's easy to make excuses. Uh, don't say, well, I'm not a preacher or I'm not, uh, you know, one of the elders or I'm not this and that. No, no, no. You're anointed. Come on, say I'm anointed. Come on, shout it out loud. I am anointed. Come on, get that in your spirit, man. And, and it may be your own children. Lay your hands on those little children. You created them. You made them. Lay your hand on them. Pray the prayer of faith and believe God. They're going to be everything God said they were going to be. Pray the power of God over them. Now, I'm not talking about going home and deciding you have to preach to your kids all the time. Uh, uh, your wife doesn't even like that. I know the kids aren't going to. Matter of fact, if you decide to do that, tape yourself and listen to it because you won't ever do it again. Somebody asked me, do you pastor your family at home one time? I said, no, I father my family. I'm a father. And so, uh, but as a father, I love my children and, and love to uh, grow in our, our family. Cindy and I am praying with them on a daily basis. Not, not long, long times that wear them out. No, 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 I'm not trying to make them over spiritual. Uh, they have to have a personal relationship with God. 
And so we just pray and believe God for goodness and for His joy and all the good things of God. And then we send them on their merry way to school. And if they don't make good grades, we, we adjust it. <laughs> I learned to square dance early in life myself. Come on, tell somebody no excuses. Come on. Get those roadblocks out of you. Mark 16, 18. Number six, I call it controversy. There are a lot of controversial things. Mark 16, 18. Uh, you'll declare the kingdom of God. You'll lay hands on the sick. Uh, they'll recover. You'll have dominion over all of the demons. King James uses the word uh, serpents there over any kind of spiritual force demons. Uh, God will uh, heal your body. You'll lay hands on other sick people. They'll recover. You say, oh, that's controversial. That's controversial. We don't do those things. No, we don't do those things uh, in our church. We don't do that. And we think people that do it are fanatics. We think if you lay hands on the sick, speak with other tongues, water baptize. Oh, we think you're kind of fanatic if you do that. Well, you might as well get the benefit of being a Christian. I don't care what the world calls you. How about just being a Christian? Have you listened to the news lately? Come on, you want to talk about fanatics? This world has already gone over the edge. Amen. Amen. Oh, don't get me started on that. We need to be wise. Don't get afraid of controversial issues. Well, we're not people that, that want to get in their controversy. We just tell the truth. Amen. Well, here's what the Bible says. And we'll just stand on the Word of God. Uh, that's why even in, when we vote in our election times, and I'm not politicking, I'm not running for office. I'm just saying vote the Bible. I said vote the Bible. Because that person that you're so sure of today is these, the latest Savior. Remember, uh, tomorrow they're going to change a little bit and you're going to be disappointed. So just stay with the Scripture. Just stay with the Bible. You ought to clap your hands to the Lord right there. That'll really help somebody out if they hear what, that, what I just said. And then in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, I think this is really powerful. And I wish I had time now to work this one out a little bit, but I call it rationalization. Rationalize, people will try to rationalize faith and the Word of God. I want to tell you, uh, you have... You have, the Bible says, two minds. You have a carnal mind and you have a spiritual mind. And you and I are told to renew our minds to the word and to the ways of the kingdom of God. We are to renew our minds. You cannot rationalize a miracle. You can dissect it every way you want. You can say, okay, let me see the hand. Anyone in here, God's healed you of cancer. Wave your hand, you've been healed of cancer. Wave your hand. How many of you glad the name of Jesus is above cancer? Look at all those hands. Now listen, you can do that. You can say this any way you want, but, but, but here's the thing. You can say, okay, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. All right, I lay my hands on them. So we're rationalizing, see? He laid their hands on them. He prayed a prayer of faith. They lifted their hands. They believed they received. They went back to the doctor and all of a sudden the report had changed. They didn't have cancer. Hmm. They had cancer and then they didn't have cancer. So we're rationalizing this miracle. And we're just dissecting, laid hands, prayed, praised, 
made that confession of faith, went back to the doctor. What happened between here and there? You can't dissect a miracle because it is a miracle. It's something that happens beyond the natural course of events. It happens above that. And we just happen to serve the God of miracles. There wasn't just like a time of miracles in the Bible. There's a God of miracles. And He is the same today as He was yesterday. And He will be tomorrow. Somebody shout hallelujah. We don't try to rationalize away the Word of God. Listen, there are many things in the Scriptures. I'm not sure exactly how it happens naturally. But what I don't understand naturally, I trust and believe God. I don't understand how when the Lord tells me to give $1,000 or give $1 and to do that uh, in some special way, to do that, I have no idea how uh, that affects that spirit realm, except the Bible says that when we obey God, that God gets involved with it and it begins to increase. It begins to open a door. Out of your innermost belly will flow rivers of living water. God will open in you windows of heaven, the Bible says, and pour out blessings. There'll not be room enough to receive it. Look, you try to dissect that just with rationalization, and you'll, you'll carry it about as far as that gift that you gave, and then beyond that, you're like, now how did that happen? Except to understand it was a seed, and God saw it because he said the kingdom of heaven operates that way. Uh, when you stand on the word of God, you believe in your heart, you cast down the doubt. If you got to do it 70 times a day, you cast down the doubt out of your mind and you stand on the word of God, you get it in your heart and you just continue to believe and speak. And every time doubt comes, you just tell that doubt, no, you got to go. I capture that imagination. I'm getting rid of it in the name of Jesus. And you begin to praise God and thank God. And Philippians 4 says you start thinking on things that are good, things that are lovely, things that are holy, things that have a good report, to, things that are joyful. You begin to think on the goodness of God. Because you can't create a vacuum in your mind and just leave an old vacuum up there. No, no, no. you got to fill it with the word and the goodness of God. But guard that word in your spirit. Guard it in your heart. Refuse to get off of it. When you do, you'll see the glory of God begin to manifest in your life. And instead of rationalizing away everything till we just kind of pare the Bible down to the maps and the index, rationalize everything else that's in between. No, no, no. We'll stand on faith in the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I believe the Word of God. I believe it from Genesis to Revelation and the maps and the index. That's the way I say it. We just made a decision. We're going to stand on the Word of God. Fill your mouth with the Word of God. Uh, speak to the mountain, Jesus said, and tell it to be gone. Doubt not in your heart, but believe the thing you say will come to pass. Rationalization has its place in life. But when it comes to the Word of God, we stand on uh, the promises of God Amen. and we live by faith. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good Word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. 
You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.